Good morning, Orlando. Good Friday morning to you. Delighted to have you with us here on the 50,000-watt front porch right off the top at 6 as we give you our very first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here and right now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Tom Alexander in for Alan Spector. Our top stories this morning, a roller coaster derails in Daytona Beach, and a new government report criticizes the former FBI director. Details coming up in one minute. We now have the long-awaited Inspector General's report on the Hillary email scandal and investigation. I will tell you what I see, and we'll talk about it next on Good Morning Orlando. 602 on News Radio 1025. Six people are injured after a roller coaster derailed in Daytona Beach last night. Two people fell roughly 20 feet to the ground when the sandblaster at the boardwalk left the track around 8.15. All the patients were alert as they were loaded into ambulances and taken to Halifax Health Medical Center. The front car was pointing perpendicular to the ground at one point. Two people remained strapped in that car for more than half an hour while firefighters worked to pull them out. The sandblaster opened back in 2013. It's 85 feet high and has more than a half mile of track. The three coaster cars were on a line of track that was about 30 feet from the ground when the derailment happened. When the coaster opened in Daytona Beach in 2013, the ride was already 40 years old. Oh, boy. And had been purchased from a closed amusement park in Delaware. It's amazing that they survived that fall. I'm told fireworks, or firemen rather, did an amazing job of getting everybody who was panic-stricken and trapped on that derailed coaster. It's amazing everybody made it, but they yeah. have, and apparently they're all going to. Yeah, it seems that way. They were all alert when they were taken to the Amazing. hospital. The news is brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Former FBI Director James Comey is the subject of strong criticism in a new government watchdog report. He oversaw the FBI's investigation of the Hillary Clinton email scandal. Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz says Comey was insubordinate and deviated from standard investigative procedures. He also accused Comey of damaging the perception of the FBI and the Justice Department as fair administrators of justice. The report does not criticize Comey's decision not to prosecute Clinton for mishandling the emails when she was Secretary of State. The Horowitz report, Inspector General Michael Horowitz, more than 500 pages. We've been going through a whole lot of it here, and we've got some real nuggets to share right after the news, Tom. That's right. Two UCF students won't be prosecuted for raping a woman. Charges filed two months ago against David Kirk and Jack Smith were dropped yesterday. Prosecutors said the case was not suitable for prosecution but didn't give any further details. Kirk's lawyer told the Orlando Sentinel justice was served. Rescue workers are being credited with possibly saving a child's life in Orange County. A child who almost drowned was pulled from a pool yesterday at the Parc Soleil by Hilton Grand Vacations on DeForge Avenue. The Orlando Sentinel says the child was resuscitated and taken to the hospital. There's no word on their condition this morning. About half of Floridians answering a new survey indicated they were not prepared when it came to a vital element of hurricane season readiness, insurance. That's especially true for flood insurance, according to Lynn McChristian, a professor of insurance and risk management at Florida State University. People do not recognize their risks. Sometimes we're in denial about our risks. So people will say, it's never flooded here before. I don't need flood insurance. But we're seeing increased incidents of flooding. McChristian says about 20% of the claims submitted come from low to moderate flood risk zones. 
and they can come from rain events, not just named storms. WFLA News Time Now, 6.05. Footage of President Trump returning a salute to a general is being released by North Korea. That story is online at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Thank you, John. John Alexander bringing us the news this morning. Alan Spector is off. Executive producing in the control room, the best in the business. My buddy Yaffe and Steph is screening your calls. The first friendly voice you will hear if you want to talk to the Bud Man will be hers. Call 407-916-5400. Text us if you'd like at 23680. It's never busy there, but standard message and data rates do apply. It's the Friday edition of Good Morning Orlando for you from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. lot to get to here um, if you've been following the release of the Michael Horowitz Inspector General's report, um, you, I'm sure, have some things to say, maybe some questions or comments or whatever. Uh, we're going to get into uh, some of the highlights or lowlights that are contained within the 500-plus pages. And uh, again, let's have a conversation about all of this. We're going to hear from a couple of key players, including including the current FBI director, Christopher Ray. It is all ahead. What's your take on the Inspector General's report? 407-916-5400, text line 23680. We'll dive right in right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So the long-awaited um, Department of Justice watchdog report, the Inspector General Michael Horowitz's report on the FBI and its behavior through the Hillary Clinton email scandal is now released. As I say, more than 500 pages, some highlights, some lowlights. This shows an FBI that is rife with anti-Trump bias. No question. That is headline number one. It shows the former and fired FBI director James Comey to not seem to have a problem with a lot of this bias because he certainly didn't can the one who is guilty of more of it than anyone else we are aware of in the agency. And he had multiple opportunities to get rid of this Peter Strzok character you've heard about, and we'll hear more about in a moment. And also that he was insubordinate. That when he had that, you know, those two situations where he just kind of went rogue and got out there um, and decided, well, we're not going to prosecute Hillary, even though she did bad things, uh, you know, with her private emails, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and then just before Election Day, went out there again. Apparently, he didn't check with his superiors. Then Attorney General Loretta Lynch, by the way, who gets um, hammered pretty good in the IG report, et cetera. So at any rate, let me give you a little bit of what we have here. And um, this anti-Trump FBI agent, Peter Strzok, his, his text messages that are now revealed, I mean, this is worse than what we had thought about this guy. Um, he is having an email exchange with... Uh, with Lisa Page, with whom he was having uh, a love affair. She was an FBI agent, isn't anymore. And as in the run-up to the election, this is the exchange, okay? Lisa Page um, texts to uh, Peter Strzok, Trump's not ever going to become president, right? Right? To which Strzok, the FBI agent, responds, no. No, he's not. We'll stop it. Wow. And um, Strzok is also on record 
is texting that the vote against Trump ought to be 100 million to one, that will impeach him if he's elected. Comey never fired this guy. Strzok is going to be subpoenaed to testify before the House Judiciary Committee, we have learned. Also, within this report, there is an unidentified FBI employee who described Trump voters as uneducated, lazy pieces of S-I-U-S-H-you-know-what. Do you imagine that? The day after the election results came in. The morning of November 9th, 2016, there was an attorney unidentified, except he's attorney two in the report here, messaged the employee saying, I'm so stressed out about what I could have done differently. The employee answered in addition to calling uh, uh, Trump voters uneducated and lazy pieces of. Don't stress. None of that mattered. Um, anyway, it, it, what else? Oh, one more here before we, uh, before we move on. Anti-Trump bias at the FBI? More of it. An FBI attorney who worked on the special counsel's Russia probe until earlier this year sent numerous anti-Trump text messages to a colleague, according to the Inspector General's report. One of the attorney's texts exclaiming, this is the morning after the election of Donald Trump. Vive la résistance! The resistance that was just going to oppose Trump every step of the way, trying to destroy him, trying to destroy his presidency they considered illegitimate. Um, Comey, the IG report found, acted like the rules didn't apply with him. He was portrayed as insubordinate, consistently acting without disregard to the chain of command within the Department of Justice or accepted policies there. Let's get a little bit of reaction here to all of this. There was a news conference late yesterday afternoon by the current FBI director, Christopher Wray, who uh, was trying, it was in damage control mode and uh, trying to defend his agency. Here he is. This report did not find any evidence of political bias or improper considerations actually impacting the investigation under review. <laughs> Give me a break. The report does identify errors of judgment violations of or even disregard for policy and decisions that, at the very least, with the benefit of hindsight, were not the best choices. We're going to adhere to the appropriate disciplinary process, and once that process is complete, we won't hesitate to hold people accountable for their actions. Current FBI director there. No, the report doesn't show there's any bias that affected anybody's work within the FBI. Do you honestly believe that? How much are we supposed to swallow? Trey Gowdy, the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, isn't swallowing much. Listen to what he had to say. Just what a dark day it is for the FBI and the DOJ, two institutions our country desperately needs. We desperately have to be able to have confidence in them. And this level of bias and animus, uh, not only did he want to stop the Trump campaign, he wanted to stop the Trump presidency. This You're is an FBI. Peter Strzok. Peter Strzok, the, the FBI agent who was on Hillary Clinton's investigation and arguably the lead Russia investigator, not only wanted to stop his campaign, but once he won, got on the Mueller probe because he wanted to impeach him. That is a level of animus and bias that, that everyone should reject. And, and, and Chris Ray, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Chris, there are consequences. The consequences are that your fellow citizens question whether or not they can have confidence in the world's premier law enforcement agency. And that's coming from somebody who's defended him a lot throughout his career. This was a bitterly disappointing report. 
I think Trey Gowdy's right on the money. He also says that it's very clear from the Inspector General's report that anti-Donald Trump bias in the FBI is insidious and it is pervasive. Gowdy was asked on Fox last night to identify the primary winners and losers in the IG report. The winner is Michael Horowitz because he proves that you can be fair, fact-centric, and conduct a serious investigation. The loser is every one of my fellow citizens who wants an FBI and a Department of Justice that they can believe in. All of us have lost when we have a department and a bureau that we cannot have confidence in. I mean, there's more than I can possibly get into with you here this morning, but there are some of the highlights and the lowlights and some analysis of it. Um, and, and your reaction to it all and what this report says to you, join me, 407-916-5400. I'd love your take. Text line 23680. We're standard message and data rate supply. We'll get Yaffe in on this as we roll on. The scathing Inspector General's report by Michael Horowitz, a man I think universally regarded as honest and hardworking and not biased. Just as a, as a just an, an unbelievable indictment of so much of what we have come to believe about the way Comey ran the FBI and the anti-Trump bias that is rife within the agency. Even though the current director Christopher Ray, as you heard here, you know, tries to minimize that. It's a few bad apples. We'll deal with them. I think it's far more pervasive than that, and I think it runs to other agencies as well within what we know as the deep state here the entrenched bureaucracies of Washington that did not want Donald Trump to ever become president of the United States. They didn't want the status quo shaken up. They didn't want the disruptor. They didn't like him. They didn't like what he was advocating in terms of policy. And most of them probably just didn't like him because he was a Republican or running as a Republican. I mean, there's so much more here about how the FBI sat on the Wiener emails for no good reason, dragging their feet, what the uh, disgraced former deputy director Andrew McCabe has been up to, how the FBI prioritized the Russia investigation over Clinton emails and, and, you know, I think because of political bias, even though the agency leader, of course, will deny that. Yaffe, your takeaways from what we now know about the uh, IG report. Yeah, we have to remember that these are still people in this po- politically polarized country we're in right now. Those who think that political bias can't happen in the FBI, well... The evidence is there now. They're trying it's to sell there. us on the idea that, well, you know, th- th- this is just their personal views. It doesn't bleed over into their work. But when you hear when you hear an employee of the FBI, as I just revealed here this morning, the first time I had seen this from the Inspector General's report, describing all Trump voters as lazy pieces of you-know-what. And then another, you know, within and the Mueller probe who, who was taken off it saying, Viva la resistance the morning after the election, for crying out loud, joining the anti-Trump resistance. And then Peter Strzok. And, you know, we're going to stop him from becoming president. You know? Well, I mean, the biggest evidence that shows that political bias played a role is what you just said. They sat on the Wiener emails because they were focused on Trump. And the Russia investigation. Absolutely right. That was the priority. Anything yeah. to take down Trump. Yeah, so they didn't even, you know, move forward with that part of the investigation into Hillary. 
Got a couple of callers. Let's go to the phones. Joe, you're on with a Bud Man from Orlando on the Inspector General's report. What do you think? Good morning. Well, I, you know, there's a couple things in there that that might uh, <laughs> that might have a little bit of merit to it. But you know, the bottom line is this. You know, we all know that uh, uh, they were in, they were uh, investigating Trump way way before. Uh, uh, the, the election, and that wasn't brought out, and, and they were investigating, you know, and the second uh, second uh, Comey thing came out, what, not too long right before the general election? So Comey, Comey along with the Russians, helped get Trump elected. Now he's turning around and blaming Trump. I mean, blaming blaming Comey. I mean, you, got, you guys are some, some kind of hypocrites. This is unbelievable. Seriously. You don't tell the whole story, bud. Who doesn't? Not being fair. You don't. I absolutely do. What you, you cite chapter and verse if you're going to hit me with no. a charge like that. No. Oh, okay. Fine. Thank you very much. See you later. Kevin, you're in Melbourne. On with the Bud Man. Good morning. Morning, Bud. I just want to say that I'm actually kind of disappointed in this Inspector General report. I was reading it last night, and of course there's a lot to read, but I read over some of it. And the main thing to me were the conclusions and the recommendations, which Michael Horowitz basically said, that he only recommended, like, uh, maybe training or something like No recommendations for indictments. No, not really saying that there were any crimes committed, but, oh, it was improper. And I was just very disappointed in that. The Peter Strzok and Lisa Page memos or uh, text, we already knew about that. That was nothing new. We knew that if you've been watching Hannity, you've seen right. it already for more than a year now. We already knew this. Right. So there was really nothing new in that. But... I think this is really just a slap on the hand, a slap on the wrist. We'll see where how it plays out from here. Yaffe on the text line. We want to get folks in on that. Yeah, one person says, report or no report, if criminal actions were taken and no one ever gets held accountable, then the deep state is alive and well and should send a chill up every patriot's spine. Good to hear that Strzok's going to be subpoenaed by the House Judiciary Committee, according to yeah, Chairman Goodluck time. last night. It <laughs> sure is. For that one. All right. Um... Bottom of the hour on a Friday morning. Let's get up to date on the news. And Tom Alexander's alongside me to handle that chore. Good morning to you, Tom. Good morning, bud. Six people are injured after a roller coaster derailed on the boardwalk in Daytona Beach last night. Larry Spillman has the details. Officials say two people were thrown more than 30 feet to the ground from the car that derailed. The fire department rescued 10 people from the attraction using ladders. The extent of the injuries is not yet known. Authorities are investigating what caused a coaster car to derail. The sandblaster opened in Daytona Beach in 2013. The Daytona Beach News Journal reports the ride was 40 years old when it was purchased in 2012 from a closed amusement park in Delaware. Larry Spillman, News Radio 1025 WFLA. The news is brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. New York's Attorney General is suing the Trump Foundation. Barbara Underwood says President Donald Trump and three of his adult children, Donald Jr., Ivanka, and Eric, engaged in a pattern of illegal self-dealing. The Attorney General says the Trump Foundation served as a personal piggy bank for Trump's businesses, legal bills, and presidential campaign. She's seeking $2.8 million in restitution and dissolution of the foundation. President Trump said on Twitter the foundation gave more money to charity than it took in, and he won't settle the case. Stormy Daniels' lawyer is suing a UCF fraternity chapter. Michael Avenatti filed a lawsuit this week on behalf of a woman who claims Delta Sigma Phi 
posted a nude video of her without her consent on a private Facebook page. The fraternity's national leadership has placed the UCF chapter on suspension. Three people are injured after being hit by lightning in Volusia County. Happened last night in New Smyrna Beach at at Smyrna Dunes Park on North Peninsula Avenue. The Daytona Beach News Journal reports all three were conscious and alert when taken to the hospital, but there's no word this morning on their conditions. And finally, Florida's busiest airport is about to get even busier. Spirit Airlines is bringing more than a dozen new routes to Orlando International Airport. It announced new routes yesterday to Myrtle Beach, Nashville, and Greensboro, North Carolina. In addition, several new routes will carry passengers between Orlando and Central America and Central America and the Caribbean. Those new routes will take passengers to San Juan, Guatemala, the Dominican Republic, Panama, Honduras, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Colombia, the U.S. Virgin Islands. The new flights start this September. WFLA News Time Now, 636. I'm Tom Alexander, News Radio 1025 WFLA. You can get these stories and more right now at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues right now. Every morning this time, we have the Bloomberg Business Report brought to us by Gina Cervetti, who's with us live as always from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City. And good morning to you, Gina. Good morning, bud. Looks like uh, we may be dealing with a lower open on the stock market. What can you mm-hmm. tell us? Yes, the stock futures are indicating losses at the open with tariffs in focus this morning. Sources tell Bloomberg President Donald Trump has approved tariffs on Chinese goods worth about $50 billion and that the White House is preparing to release a refined list of targeted products. In April, the U.S. revealed an initial list of about 1,300 items. We might also see a spike in trading volume today. Something called quadruple witching takes place. That's when futures and options contracts on indexes and individual individual stocks expire. Yesterday, we had the broader market rising on gains from big media and tech companies. The S&P up 7 or a quarter percent to 27.82. The Nasdaq reached another new record, jumping 65 points to 77.61. The Dow fell 26 to 25,175, with industrials slipping. The Bloomberg Orlando index lost two-tenths percent. And the world's biggest restaurant chain making a bold move. Tell us about it, Gina. Well, McDonald's plans to start to phase out plastic straws in some European markets amid mounting concerns about consumer waste. The fast food giant will roll out paper straws in the U.K. and Ireland with plans to phase out the plastic ones in all of those locations next year. McDonald's also plans to start trials in select U.S. restaurants this year, though it did not specify what type of straws those would be. Interesting news out of the world of social media where the owner of Snapchat has reportedly jumped on the data privacy bandwagon after all the flack Facebook has been taking in that regard. Right, Gina? That's right. If you have a young person in your house, there's a good chance that he or she is using Snapchat. The owner of that app is called Snap. They're designing their developer tools to avoid the kind of privacy concerns like the ones that have been battering Facebook recently. The Snapchat owner says it won't share any personal data on users or their friends other than their Snapchat display names and these avatar stickers that users design to look like themselves. And finally, Apple is into all kinds of things, and apparently they're getting into movies. 
Apple is jumping into feature films. Sources tell Bloomberg the company is nearing a deal with Ireland's Oscar-nominated Cartoon Saloon for rights to an animated movie. Apple has been in talks to buy distribution rights for the U.S. and some other countries, and other potential movies are also in the works. How about that? We'll watch it unfold. Gina, thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend. Always great having you with us here on the Bloomberg Business Report from New York City. Thank you, bud. You too. All right, good deal. Coming up, Orlando's Deadly Streets. Who do you think is more to blame? Reckless drivers? or reckless pedestrians? That's a good topic for right now because a lot of you are out there on the roads. I've got some thoughts on it, and I'd like your take as well. I'll lay some stats at your feet to set the table. We'll get into it here right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you. And we'll do that in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. We have a great team here. Putting our show together every morning, and in the heart and soul of it really is my executive producer and good friend, Yaffe, and he brings things to my attention, like this commentary yesterday in the Orlando Sentinel by um, their columnist, Scott Maxwell. Headline, hey, Florida drivers, let's run over fewer people this year. Citing statistics that show more than 900 pedestrians were struck by cars in central Florida last year alone. That is more than two a day. Um, And nearly 90 of the pedestrians hit were killed. And, And Maxwell says, well, you know, the rules are clear. We can prevent all of this. If a pedestrian has set foot in a crosswalk, drivers are supposed to stop. And in fact, they are. Those who don't face a $164 fine via ticket and three points on their driver's licenses here. And there's no question we have careless drivers, incompetent drivers, we have distracted drivers texting, talking on their cell phone, bawling out the kids, checking on the dog in the back seat, chowing down a cheeseburger, ladies doing their makeup in the mirror while they're driving. And then the list of, 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 of offenses by, by drivers that lead to pedestrians being hit and sometimes killed is absolutely endless. But I've got to tell you, I've been around this town a long time. And I grant you, we got some bad drivers, and we can never excuse that. But we also, in my experience, and I want to know, I, I want to know whether you agree with me on this, because I want to know, when you look at the worst statistics in the country, and we're pretty close to having those in Orlando with a number of pedestrians that killed every year, do you find it fault more, drivers or the pedestrians? It never ceases to amaze me and alarm me when I'm driving the number of people who will just run across the street and not in the crosswalks you know, where the traffic lights are or whatever, just in the middle of a block. Narrow streets, wide streets. We have a lot of people who are out at night and they're wearing dark clothing. Nothing's reflective. You can barely see them. They get hit and the driver, you know, the driver often is considered to be at blame. But I've never seen a place in this country where you have more irresponsible pedestrians who are crossing not in the crosswalks. And I think that has a lot to do with the statistics. 
And Maxwell writes a column headline, Hey, Florida Drivers, Let's Run Over Fewer People This Year. But I say, I say the greater blame lies with the pedestrians in Central Florida. That is my experience as a driver. Maxwell sees it the other way. How do you see it? We had 900 people hit in Central Florida every year, and nearly 10% of them, nearly 90, wind up dead. So, what's the bigger problem in your experience? Is it the drivers? Is it the pedestrians? 407-916-5400. You tell me. Good opportunity for, uh, you know, first-time callers here. Because you know what? Almost all of you are out and driving and listening to the show. That's what all the research shows. And uh, you may not feel like you're comfortable locking horns with the bud man on the political issue of the moment here. But, hey, you're a driver. You're a driver. Where does the blame lie principally in Central Florida? I, I think it's the pedestrians. You know, there's a lot we can do to educate drivers not to be so distracted by a number of things. But pedestrians have got to play the game right as well. To cross only in a crosswalk. Instead of anywhere they doggone well <laughs> decide to. 407-916-5400. Do I have it right? Or does Maxwell have it right? He's a liberal, but he gets it right now and then, writing his fine column in the Orlando Sentinel. I enjoy reading it, whether I agree with him or not. He's one of the one of the veterans uh, on the staff over there and a really good citizen as well, uh, Scott Maxwell. But I just disagree with him fundamentally on his take on this problem we have with all of these pedestrians being hit and killed. 407-916-5400. Whoa, the 50,000-watt front porch is lighting up. We're going to get your take here in just a moment. Don't go away. Um, hey, listen, uh... More pedestrians get hit and killed every year in Orlando than almost any other equally sized city in the country. And a lot of times it's just, you know, the bad drivers are blamed, and there's plenty of them. But I think a lot of blame goes to these pedestrians for the reasons I cited. Here is uh, Bob in Longwood. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, thank you, bud. Yeah, I, I ride my bike every morning for exercise for about an hour, and then, you know, I drive my car, and actually, you got to be very cautious out there. Either either way, you're riding a bike or driving a car, because I'll tell you, it's it's people just don't pay attention. Most of the blame, in your view, is the drivers. Uh, 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 no, uh, I blame both because uh, people are very careless out there. Even riding the bike, they don't care. Uh, you know, uh, they just. Uh, people walking through a parking lot with, on their cell phones. You know, I mean, you got to be very alert out there. I agree that 100%. Thank you very much, Bob. On I-4, let's bring in Steve. Good morning to you, Steve. Hey there, bud, man. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. It is largely the pedestrian and bicyclists' fault uh, for the predicaments they find themselves in on the road. Roads were built for motor vehicles, special places were designated for pedestrians and bicyclists to cross roads, to ride on roads. And if there's not room, then maybe you shouldn't be riding or walking along that road. But the bottom line is this, bud man, if you are a pedestrian or a bicyclist and you come in contact with a car or a truck, you're going to lose. It's a matter of survival. You've got to pay attention and do what it takes to survive as you navigate these roads where you have traffic, no matter how fast they're going. I agree with that. Great call. Text line incoming, Yaffe, and your thoughts as well, buddy, because you're out and about every single day like we all are. 
Well, yeah, I, I tend to agree with Bob from Longwood who just called. I think it's both drivers and pedestrians. I mean, you talked about a lot of pedestrians who are just running out in the middle of the road. I see that all the time. I've never seen it any worse anywhere else yeah, in the country. You're exactly right. But I also see a lot of really bad drivers. I really do. On the text line, uh, one person said this, said, I can't remember the last time I saw someone use the crosswalk. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, you got super wide roads and you got a big distance between crosswalks. And I think people figure like, I'm not going to walk all the way up to the end of that long stretch. Yeah. I think there's a lot of that going on as well. You know, but we can't have crosswalks every 50 feet, can we? Let's go to Trey. You're in Lake County on this. Good morning to you, Trey. You're on with the Budman. Uh, yes, sir. I uh, I do accident investigations for a living, so I uh, maybe have a unique perspective. But oh, good. I do uh, feel that the majority of the blame would fall on the, the driver, and if the same standard of responsibility of gun ownership was applied to that of operating a vehicle, that it, I think the uh, statistics would be much lower. And the education and uh, design system of traffic flow is also to blame. A perfect illustration of that is the previous, you got a previous caller who said that uh, bicycles don't belong on the road. Well, bicycles don't belong on the sidewalk either. That's for pedestrians. And, uh, of course, most cyclists probably aren't following the same rules of traffic. Thank you. I appreciate it. Wish I had more time. We'll revisit this issue, I am sure. Gosh, we just swamped with calls and texts. You never know what's going to light you guys up out there when we put the show together. You'd think after 15 years I'd figure it out. I wondered if I'd get any calls or texts at all <laughs> coming out of the woodwork. Okay, coming up here at the top of the hour, Tom Alexander bringing us the news. Alan Spector is off on this Friday on that roller coaster um, wreck in Daytona Beach. Uh, we have the very latest details. There have been injuries and more heartbreaking details in the wake of this week's hostage standoff that ended so tragically in Orlando. We'll get you up to date on all of that. It's Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. And, and following that particular story, of course, that all started with a domestic violence call here. Another city and a few other cities are trying a program that seems to cut down on domestic violence. I want to tell you how it works and suggest we need to give it a try here. That's where we begin talking right after the news as we move into hour number two. From all of us on the 50,000-watt front porch, good Friday morning at 7 o'clock. Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here on a Friday at 7 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here, right now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Tom Alexander in for Alan Spector. Our top stories this morning, a roller coaster derails in Daytona Beach. More sad details about this week's hostage standoff in Orlando. Details coming up in one minute. And, of course, that began with a domestic violence call. I'm going to tell you about a program that is working elsewhere on how to cut down on these tragic domestic violence cases. It's next on Good Morning Orlando. Coming up on 704 now on News Radio 1025. Ten people had to be rescued after a roller coaster derailed in Daytona Beach last night. Two people fell roughly 20 feet to the ground when the sandblaster at the Daytona Beach boardwalk left the track around 815. A total of six patients went to the hospital. We're told they were all alert as they were loaded onto ambulances. The sandblaster opened back in 2013. 
The three coaster cars were on a line of track that was about 30 feet above the ground when it derailed. The ride was 40 years old already when it opened in Daytona Beach. It was purchased from a closed amusement park in Delaware. Boy, that's a little bit scary. Everybody thought they had a new coaster out there. And I'm sure that, you know, they dressed it up with a nice coat of paint. You always wonder, don't you, about these uh, these amusement park rides like this around the country. There have been problems. And, boy, it's amazing everybody survived, particularly those who fell so far, Tom. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's Oof. a miracle that they're apparently up and talking and hopefully will be okay. Yeah, aside from that, it's a horrible story. Sure. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. We're learning more about the sad hostage standoff that ended in a murder-suicide earlier this week. Orlando police revealed yesterday that the four children they believed were being held hostage were already dead for most or all of the 21-hour standoff. In a statement, the agency said detectives now believe the kids, Ryan Pluth, 11, Lilia Pluth, 10, Aiden Lindsay, 6, and Dove Lindsay, 1, were killed in their sleep. Either shortly before or shortly after, Gary Wayne Lindsay Jr., the father of two of the children, exchanged gunfire with the police at the beginning of the standoff. Police say sometime after killing the children, Lindsay took his own life. And we'll be talking about domestic violence and a program that um, really caught my eye that's being used elsewhere that might work here in Orlando uh, to intercept the likes of a Gary Lindsay before we have a tragic result. It's coming up. We'll look forward to that. That's how this all started, was with the domestic violence call. Yes, sir. President Donald Trump is approving federal disaster aid for victims of Hawaii's Kilauea volcano. On Wednesday, Hawaii Governor David Ige requested federal assistance for the 2,800 residents who either lost their homes to lava or were forced to evacuate since Kilauea began rumbling in early May. Hawaii County Mayor Harry Kim says about 600 houses on the Big Island have been consumed by lava. That's the most homes claimed by a volcano in Hawaii's modern history. Kilauea is now the most destructive U.S. volcano since Mount St. Helens exploded in 1980. And finally, more trouble. Not finally, I'm sorry. More trouble for a school monitor at Stoneman Douglas High School. Alan McBride explains. One of the staff members criticized for failing to stop a shooting at Stoneman Douglas High School was suspended last year after two students accused him of sexual harassment. The Sun-Sentinel reports the school district recommended unarmed campus monitor Andrew Medina be fired, but he instead served a three-day suspension following an investigation. Medina was accused of asking one female student out on a date and making an inappropriate comment to another student. Earlier this month, Medina was reassigned from the school while his actions on the day of the shooting are reviewed. Alan McBride, News Radio 1025 WFLA. Finally, Congressman Steve Scalise is back on the baseball field a year after he was seriously wounded when a gunman opened fire at a Republican congressional baseball practice. He got a standing ovation when he took the field at Nationals Park last night for the annual congressional baseball game. Two Capitol Police officers who credited with saving his life got to throw out the first pitch. And he made a play early in the game at second base. Very first play of the game. Yeah, but he's on a couple of crunches, and he threw the guy out at first. It was unbelievable. It really is. Oh. It's, it's great to see him getting back to doing the thing he loves and being up and around. Yeah, more on that in a special segment on really good news later in this hour. Tom, thank you very Thanks, much. And, um, oh, coming up, it's Free Movie Friday with Adam Tickets. Hey, how about taking Dad to the movies for Father's Day? Free Movie Friday can help. Your chance to win free movie tickets, just text them now at Adam Tickets. Text RECORD, R-E-C-O-R-D, to A-T-O-M-1 
That's 28661 for your chance to win. And you'll love the Adams Tickets app where you can browse movie titles and buy tickets and more. Happy Free Movie Friday to you. Time to take Dad out for a flick, huh? How about that? Coming up here in just a moment in the wake of the tragic hand, hat, uh, the tragic hostage situation here. I'm upset every time I think about this. And Four kids dead and a cop fighting for his life. This guy was, um, you know, had a history, as long as your arm, of violent behavior and particularly domestic violence. How do we intercept guys like this and deal with them before we are dealing with a tragedy like this? There is an interesting program that has been tried with some success elsewhere. I'll share it with you here in a moment and see whether or not you think this would work here and should be implemented Well, not only in Orlando, but anywhere within the sound of my voice. An important story coming up right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. You've been with us all week long. You know that I have put the spotlight on the criminal justice system and how it really, really failed in the case of this repeat violent offender and domestic violence specialist Gary Lindsay, who wound up killing four kids, two of them his girlfriends, two of them his own, and has an Orlando police officer fighting for his life in a coma after he shot him in the head. I mean, he had a long history of um, you know of breaking the law and felonies, etc., for which he never went to jail. Domestic violence uh, charges one after the other, and they found a way to keep them in circulation. Let's attack this from another standpoint right now with a program that is working in some other cities. Here is how it works to intercept the likes of Gary Lindsay before people die. People suspected of being violent toward their intimate partner are classified into one of four types of offenders based on their criminal history. The lowest-level offenders receive a letter notifying them that they are now being monitored and additional offenses will result in stiff consequences. The offenders who are deemed the most potentially dangerous are immediately targeted for prosecution, meaning that even if the victim of the abuse will not testify, as often happens, the police will still pursue a case or look for other charges that will stick. Um, High Point, North Carolina, which is not as big as as, as Orlando and, and Orange County in Central Florida, of course, town of about 100,000, has seen a dramatic decrease in the number of um, domestic violence-related murders here as a result of implementing this program, and it's being implemented elsewhere as well. Offenders in High Point are also ordered to attend a face-to-face meeting where police and prosecutors make clear that their secret is out. Domestic violence is often hidden behind closed doors, of course, and the behavior will no longer be tolerated whether the victim cooperates with police or not. They are put on notice, and the program also provides help with job searches or mental health counseling to offenders willing to accept it. And um, this is showing, statistically, great promise in other areas. Now, apparently, the High Point model was pitched here in Central Florida a couple of years ago. Orange County Mayor Teresa Jacobs held a meeting that year, 2016, with a small group of other power players, the state attorney, Aramis Ayala, the chief justice, or the chief judge, Frederick Loughton, among others, 
But they didn't get much traction with this, and Orange County Sheriff Jerry Demings was cool to it, saying he didn't have enough information about the program at the time, was concerned about whether it would work in an urban county with more than 1.2 million people like Orange County, a place more than 10 times the size of High Point, and a spokesman for Orlando Mayor Buddy Dyer back then, according to the Sentinel article on all of this, also said there was worry that such a program could create unintended enhanced danger for the partner of the accused. Um, you know, that all of a sudden they would get agitated and they would act, activate because of the attempt to implement this program and put them on notice that the jig was up and you're going to be watched for this, okay? And we're going to get you. Apparently, though, the experience in High Point and other cities that have tried this, it does not indicate that the mayor's fears are confirmed. I think we've got to try something beyond what we're doing here. Every year in the central Florida area, the counties immediately surrounding Orlando, we have anywhere from three to four dozen people murdered as a result of domestic violence. And then, then there, that doesn't include you know, the horrible intimidation, the beatings, etc., you know, in far, far greater numbers. What do you think of this program? I like what I see here, and I think it could be done to the increased scale you know, reflecting our greater population here in Central Florida. I think we've got to get to the people like Gary um, Lindsay before they become killers. And this program seems to do a good job. The statistics seem to bear it out. What are your thoughts on this? Is this something we should be doing in Central Florida? Do you think it would work? 407-916-5400, or do you have a better idea? I don't think we can just settle for the status quo in the wake of what happened this week. 407-916-5400, text line 23680. Love to know what you think of this idea. I talked a lot about the Inspector General's report uh, in the 6 o'clock hour. We're going to have a live report on it at 810 this morning. If you can hang in for that, I think it will be well worth your time on this program to intercept these guys, you know, who, who, who are domestic violence offenders and stop them before they turn killers is interesting. And it's working elsewhere. High Point, uh, North Carolina, is a great example of how well the model works, as we said. And uh, we're talking about it with you, and I want to get your take on it. Ben, you have a uh, personal experience to relate with a neighbor as you join us from Claremont. What can you tell us, Ben? Well, this neighbor, he's no longer my neighbor, but he's threatened to kill me, burn me out, and all this stuff. I live in a very rural area. Boy. To make a long story short, the day of the first blow-in-the-smoke event that I attended, I stopped out here to get gas at the only store within 15 miles of me, and he showed up, and I'd already sued him in court and won a case. And when I asked him about that, he come chasing me, and I had to pull my pistol on him, bud, right in the middle of this gas station parking lot. Well, it's a horrible story, Ben, but I really wanted the, the spotlight to be on, you know, what these guys are doing to these women that they're either married to or living with. Oh, well, my point was this guy actually pled probation finally for the DEP felony, while he was on probation, he told him he was still living next to me when he'd been gone for a year. Serial liar as well as a dangerous man. Thank you. John and DeBerry. Hi, John. Good morning. Good morning, bud. I think that program does sound like it has promise, 
But, you know, the thing that bothers me is these women that repeatedly suffer through this, but yet they stay with these guys and put their own children at risk. Somehow these women have to be punished just for their behavior. Wow, if you stay with one of these guys, you ought to face charges for it? I've not heard that take before. Wow. Well, something has to be done because their stupidity is having people ki- is getting people killed. Mm. That's a provocative take, Yaffe. Yeah, I doubt that would ever happen. I don't think we're going. I don't think we're going down that road. <laughs> politically, I don't think that's possible. I but mean, I understand the sentiment. I mean, it just yeah. these situations scream for the woman to get out of there. The be- yeah, exactly. The best thing about the program that you've talked about seems to be that the cops are keeping an eye on these people so they know them, and if they become repeat offenders, then they're not going to get off easy. And that's really the theme of this whole thing, and you've been talking about it for days now, that the real problem is repeat offenders who consistently get arrested or whatever end up getting off every time. Absolutely. I like, the, I, bars. I like the angle on the high point model on this thing that, um, you know, the defenders there, uh, they are ordered to attend a face-to-face meeting where police and, and prosecutors make clear their secret is out. The jig is up, okay? And you're going up the right. river forever. Don't even do that. And the recidivism rate apparently there has dropped to like 19%, which means 81% of these of these. Uh, men who are engaged in domestic violence against their wives or their partners never offend against once the law is laid down to them and there's the early intervention, which is the heart and soul of the model we're talking about. Yeah, really easy solution. Just be strict with them from the beginning instead of continuing to let them off over and over again when they feel like they can Continue to get away with it. Well put, buddy. Yep, absolutely right. Good morning, Orlando, for the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. News coming right up with Tom Alexander in for Allen this morning and a roller coaster derails in Daytona Beach. And there are injuries. Frightening situation. He'll give you the very latest. And a woman suing NASA over moon dust? The news is next. Good morning, Orlando, at 729. Woke up to news this morning, as perhaps you did as well, to this uh, roller coaster accident over in Daytona Beach. Tom, you're on the story. What can you tell us at this hour? Well, Bud, what I can tell you right now is six people are hospitalized after a roller coaster car derailed on the boardwalk in Daytona Beach last night. Officials say two people were thrown more than 20 feet to the ground from the car that derailed. Firefighters rescued 10 people from the attraction using ladders. Uh, The extent of everyone's injuries is not yet known, but we are told everyone was alert when they were loaded into the ambulances last night. Uh, Authorities are investigating what caused the derailment. The roller coaster is called the Sandblaster. It opened in Daytona Beach back in 2013. Daytona Beach News Journal says the ride was 40 years old when it was purchased in 2012 from a closed amusement park in Delaware. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A woman is suing NASA in an effort to ensure that the space agency doesn't seize a vial of her moon dust. (laughs) I didn't know they were out there. Just letting that sink in for a second. I'm I'm just saying, (laughs) where did she she get that? At Target or something? They sell that stuff? Yeah, it's in the back by by the gardening tools. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Laura Chico says Neil Armstrong, who was a family friend of her late father, gave her the moon dust back in the 1970s. Ah, so along, it's the real deal. It's the real deal, along with a handwritten note addressed to her. 
Last week, she filed a lawsuit against NASA because the agency has a history of seizing lunar material from citizens. NASA hasn't confiscated the moon dust yet, and Chico says it's in safekeeping. Experts have tested the sample and found that it may have originated from the moon. They say the outcome of her case will depend on whether Armstrong or the government owned the dust at the time it was given away. NASA has 60 days to respond to the lawsuit. I hope they just let this thing go for crying little, out loud. A little vial of dust. I well, come on. It's... And it isn't like, you know, early on they might have wondered, my goodness, maybe there's some kind of moon germ in there. Mm-hmm. We can't let that out. But we know that there's nothing in this stuff right, that right. we have to worry about. But in the past, they've, they've taken back rocks and all kinds of things. You know, yeah. astronauts smuggled them home and gave them to friends. And Come on, guys. Late. <laughs> Lighten up over there in the Space Coast. Lighten up. <laughs> Leave that lady alone. I do feel like this could be the beginning of some kind of alien movie, though. Yes. Where the yeah. vial spills <laughs> and it just happens to have an egg of an alien in it. And then the <laughs> yeah. alien forms and kills us all. <laughs> definitely. That sounds like next year's summer blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> right. by, the, right. by the way, by the way, there is a new movie coming out about Neil Armstrong, first man yes. on the moon, called... First man, yes, I think. Yes, yes. Oh, that looks good. I saw the I trailer saw the tra- for that. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think it's coming out this fall, so we'll be looking for that. What else is going on? Absolutely. Well, psychedelic drugs like LSD and so-called magic mushrooms may help treat depression and addiction. Researchers at the University of California say the substances that are banned as illegal drugs here in the U.S. and in other countries can actually rewire parts of the brain in a way that lasts longer than the drug's immediate effects. Scientists say this could make psychedelics the next generation of treatments for mental health disorders. They say they actually could be more effective and safer than existing options. The findings are published in the latest edition of the journal Cell Reports. Very, very interesting. We'll see how all of that plays out. Tom, always great having you with us. Thanks, bud. Tom Alexander uh, in for Alan this morning, and he'll have more news as it breaks and at the top of the hour as well. I find myself thirsty. For good news as much as you do. I think we all need it as a buffer to let us know that, you know, that the world hasn't come completely unhinged. So I'm going to try to make even more time for good news in Good Morning Orlando uh, than we try to do and have tried to do for so many years. So, and, and again, some of this stuff is strictly good news in my eyes. It might not be with you if you don't see the world the way I do, but, um, I think everybody would agree that the congressional baseball game played at National Stadium yesterday in Washington, D.C. was one for the ages. This is an annual event, raises a lot of money for charity. It was the first anniversary of the, um, of the shootings at the uh, congressional baseball practice being held by the Republicans outside Washington to get ready for the game. And you remember Republican Congressman Steve Scalise was seriously wounded. A lot of people didn't think he was going to make it. And he took him a long time before he could even walk, and he's been walking with crutches. He got out there and played second base last night for the Republicans. And this is like divine intervention or something. I mean, how else do you explain this? I mean, he, 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 he's standing there with his two crutches, and on the first pitch by the Democrats of the game, ground ball to second base. you got to understand, he can hardly move. And he puts down the crutches, fields the ball on his knees, throws the ball to first base, and the guy is out. Yaffe, that's good news. That's just about miraculous. Yeah, definitely. And amazing how that all unfolded there. Um, Now, also, some good news. The president's getting a little bit of love 
from the American people as reflected in the new Reuters-Ipsos poll and um, shows he has broad support for his summit meeting with Kim Jong-un in, um, in, in Singapore. Um, like 51% approve of the way he is handling the situation with North Korea. There are still a lot of people who don't believe that ultimately we'll get him to get rid of their nukes. But I can tell you the Democrats are even somewhat coming on board, and that's unusual. They loathe Trump, okay? I mean, normally they give him about a 12% approval among Democrats. When you poll them, 30% approval among Democrats for his handling of North Korea. Oh, and we talked about Trump and whether or not he's going to get the Nobel Peace Prize, Yaffe. Remember that? A bunch of Republican congressmen have nominated him based on uh, him being able to get this meeting and the potential to denuclearize uh, North Korea. Now, now I have an update here. Two Norwegian lawmakers have nominated Trump for his meeting with Kim Jong-un, saying that a process is underway to ensure world peace in the future. We, you know, must do what we can to help keep this process going so it yields good results. We believe we can accomplish this by sending a clear signal namely by awarding Trump the Nobel Peace Prize. There you go. So we got a little bit of momentum going here. Yeah, although I think it, I still think it's a little early for that. We need to get farther down the process and make sure North Korea is actually going to, you know, here's the, a little, the, this is actually going to work. <laughs> here's a little news I know the president will greet as good news. Special counsel Robert Mueller's public image at the lowest ever, okay, since he started this endless Russia investigation into supposed collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians during the campaign, that he has lost support all across the board um, for the way this is being conducted. So there you go. I view that as good news. Some of you will. Some of you won't. You know, my, my initial reaction to that was that Trump should just keep tweeting about it, I guess. It's obviously working, what they're doing. Yeah. You know, he gets criticism for that. Rudy gets criticism for things he says, but it's obviously working. Yeah, it's, so, res- it's resonating with more and more American people. <laughs> they might as well keep doing it. And across party lines, I'm quite sure he will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if he's viewed that poll, you can absolutely bet he'll up his game in right. that regard. <laughs> and the kids are out of school right now, but in uh, the Orlando Sentinel yesterday, headline, the Florida Standards Assessments, the new FSA test to replace the FCAT, um, the scores have been released across um, the state for reading, math, science, and social studies. And in almost all cases, the numbers are up. So, some good news there. Okay, I know you're ODing on the good news right now, okay? I don't know what Rush has got, whether it's good news or bad news, but I'll tell you what, it's must-hear radio every time we have the Rush Morning Update. So, it is coming up. Good morning, Orlando. Coming up on 756 on a beautiful Friday morning. we got a big Father's Day gathering at our place tomorrow. Coming over because Linda doesn't go anywhere because she's still recovering from her second knee replacement in two months. Doing fabulously well, only a week and a half out. Getting around on her on her own, no walker, no cane. It's amazing what, uh, what's been done. Dr. Hudanich is just incredible. Amazing with his computer robotics, high technology. I mean, what a blessing. But everybody's coming over, and we've got my son and son-in-law, and one of them's got a birthday as well. We're going to have a big celebration, so it's going to be good, and I'm going to squeeze in lots of time to watch the U.S. Open. I don't play golf, but, boy, I love watching the big tournaments. And you know what? Maybe you'd like to take Dad to the movies. 
I can send you there and tell you how to go for free, right? Because, because it is once again Free Movie Friday here on the 50,000-watt front porch of Good Morning Orlando. Free Movie Friday, courtesy of my friends at Adam Tickets. Here's your chance to win free movie tickets. Are you ready? You text Adam Tickets now. Text them to record or record, R-E-C-O-R-D, to A-T-O-M-1. Uh, also, it's known as 28661 for your chance to win, okay? And uh, download that Adam's Ticket app. It is amazing. It is where you can browse movie titles, buy tickets, and more. So it's free movie Friday. Go get those free movie tickets and take Dad to see the flick of his choice. All right, we're coming up on the news at the top of the hour. And um, Alan uh, Spector is off today. So we've got Tam Alexander with that frightening situation on the derailed roller coaster over in Daytona Beach. How did that happen, and how are those injured doing? We'll have the very latest, and the test results in for Florida's students. I gave you a little bit on that. Tom will give you a little bit more here at the top of the hour. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. We are so glad you're with us. Good Friday morning to you at 7.58. Good morning, Orlando. Good Friday morning to you. So glad you're with us here at the top of the 8 o'clock hour for our latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here, right now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Tom Alexander in for Alan Spector. Our top stories this morning, a roller coaster derails in Daytona Beach. And the test results are in for Florida students. Little details coming up in one minute. The Inspector General's report, a scathing indictment of Comey and the FBI. A live report coming up next for you on Good Morning Orlando. 801 on News Radio 1025. Six people are injured after a roller coaster derailed in Daytona Beach last night. Two people fell roughly 20 feet to the ground when the sandblaster at the boardwalk left the track around 815. All of the patients were alert as they were loaded onto ambulances. The front car was pointing perpendicular to the ground at one point. Two people remained strapped in that car for more than half an hour while firefighters worked to pull them out. The sandblaster is 85 feet high. It was on a line of track that was about 30 feet high when it derailed. It opened in Daytona Beach back in 2013, and at that point, the ride was already 40 years old. It had been purchased from a closed amusement park in Delaware the year before. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Rallies are popping up across the country to protest a federal immigration policy that separates children from their illegal immigrant parents at the U.S.-Mexico border. Rallies and marches took place in more than a dozen states yesterday, including California, Texas, New York, and Michigan, where this woman was on hand in Metro Detroit. We're paying our taxes to fund these detention centers instead of allowing these families to go and, you know, be with their families. Thousands took part in the rallies. Organizers of the protests say they were drawing attention to what they call the Trump administration's cruel and inhumane treatment of immigrants and asylum seekers. Here in Florida, students posted higher scores this year than last on state math, science, and social studies, social studies exams. In some grades, they did better on state reading tests, too. That's according to results released yesterday by the Florida Department of Education. The scores are from the Florida Standards Assessments, which test reading and math skills for third graders through high school students, the state's science exams for fifth and eighth graders, and end-of-course exams in biology, civics, and U.S. history. 
In math, students in most grades posted the highest scores since the FSA was introduced in 2015. Finally, nearly half of all U.S. millennials know someone who has dealt with an opioid addiction. A new NBC News Gen Forward poll surveyed a national sample of adults ages 18 to 34 and found more than 42% know someone who has struggled with opioids. The poll found 17% of millennials have been part of the epidemic themselves. White millennials have been hit harder than minorities. The poll found 54% of white millennials know someone who had an addiction. The high number for white millennials is driven by women. About 57% of white women said they knew someone who had an opioid addiction. That number was much lower for Latino, African American, and Asian American millennials. Politically, Republican millennials are more likely to be affected by the opioid epidemic. Those are pretty disturbing stats, aren't they? Yeah, they certainly are. Woo! My so, goodness. WFLA News Time Now, 8.04. A Nazi quote was accidentally placed in a high school yearbook. You can get the rest of that story online at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Thank you, Tom. That's the voice of Tom Alexander in for Alan Spector with our news throughout the morning on this Friday edition of Good Morning Orlando. Got the A-team in place in the control room, executive producer Yaffe and our screener Stephanie, the voice you will hear when you call to join the conversation at 407-916-5400. You don't want to talk, but you want your opinions registered. The text line is for you. It's never busy. 23680 there. Standard message and data rates apply. We're going to our uh, fine News Radio 1025 National Correspondent Bill Zimfer for perspectives on the release of the Inspector General's report on the Hillary Clinton email scandal. And uh, it's a really, as I said, scathing indictment, I think, of former FBI Director James Comey, fired by Trump, of course, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the anti-Trump bias within it, among other things. So stay tuned. We'll get the latest on that. And um, we also have the sound judgment game for a great family prize coming up in our next half hour. So I hope you can stay with us all the way to 9 o'clock. We always hope that. And it is great when so many of you are able to stay with us for that length of time. I know not everybody can do it, but uh, but we're here for you until 9 o'clock. Now, um, we are Good Morning Orlando for the Frontgate Realty Studio. Just visit laurahasthebuyers.com. An update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic coming your way in two minutes. So stick around for that. It's coming right up on News Radio 1025 WFLA FM and AM 540. The watchdog for the Department of Justice, Michael Horowitz, has released his long awaited Inspector General's report on the Hillary Clinton email scandal, and uh, it really, it really bores in on former and fired FBI Director James Comey for his behavior and also uh, reveals anti-Trump bias within the Federal Bureau of Investigation. There's a whole lot more here. It's well over 500 pages. We've been digesting it all, as has our fine News Radio 1025 National Correspondent uh, Bill Zimfer, who joins us with a live conversation on this. Bill, you know how the radio game works as well as anybody, and uh, we had uh, a lot of talk about this in our 6 o'clock hour, but we got a whole bunch of folks listening right now who weren't with us two hours ago. What are your thoughts on the IG report as you view it? 
Well, it's going to be interpreted uh, different ways by, as you might imagine, uh, the parties. But what this comes down to is the inspector general looking into the Hillary Clinton email investigation and concluding that, yes, the FBI drastically mishandled this investigation, made a lot of bad decisions in connection with it, but there was not any institutional bias in the investigation and there was no conspiracy against Donald Trump. Uh, And you're right, uh, really zeroed in on James Comey, calling him insubordinate, uh, say he violated uh, standard practices and protocols at the FBI in making those announcements that he did in July and October and November of 2016, uh, calls uh, former uh, Attorney General Loretta Lynch an error in judgment on her part, uh, and the FBI, of course, with some investigators and people involved conducting themselves unprofessionally and possibly biased in this investigation. Now, having said all that, uh, what's going to happen here? Could be that a couple of people in the FBI could lose their jobs over this whole thing, but there will be no kind of uh, a criminal Uh, cases referred to the U.S. Attorney's Office. And maybe another big part of this, too, as well, Bud, is the fact that it concludes that Hillary Clinton did nothing wrong. Uh, So you add all that together, and what are you going to draw from it? From the Republican side and the Trump administration side, you're going to latch on to the fact that James Comey was blasted in this report. So now they will say, and they are saying, that it's no wonder he was fired. He should have been fired by the president for being insubordinate and a violator of protocol within the department. Uh, number two, they are going to bleed this into the Russia investigation. Since some of the FBI investigators involved in this investigation who were shown to possibly be biased against Donald Trump, uh, were also involved in the Russia investigation. Yeah, let me intercept you right there. You're talking, I know, among others, this Peter Strzok here, yep. you know, and his exchange with his lover at the time who was in the uh, in the FBI, um, you know, who said, well, wait a minute, Trump's not going to get elected president, right? Right? And he says, no, mm-hmm. no, we're going to stop him. And then you've got somebody on the Mueller probe who's been taken off it uh, when Trump gets elected, um, you know, throwing out a text message to a colleague saying, Viva la resistance, yeah. you know, and yeah, on and on and, it goes. And, and what this does is a couple of things. Number one, it taints the investigation, and uh, this will be pointed out. And number two, it also feeds into that theory, whether you believe it or not, of a deep state somewhere within Washington that the president has been talking about. When Peter Strzok says, we will stop it, well, who's the we we are talking about? Uh, it, it just fuels into that speculation as well. Yeah. Uh, now, the, if you're on the Democratic side here, bud, yeah. uh, what you're latching on to is the fact that you are saying what this proves is the election was stolen from Hillary Clinton. And we're going to be talking about that probably until 2020. Yeah, you're probably right on that score. Um, it also, the IG report, um, said we got a problem in the FBI. They're leaking to the media all over the place. And you've got FBI employees, the report finds, with cozy relationship with people in the news business, journalists, and accepting gifts from the journalists. And I, had ex- I would assume, I don't know, that that would be mm-hmm. an exchange for, you know, give me some inside information I can feed out there. Future and, considerations, uh, you yeah. might put it, right? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, Andrew McCabe came under fire for that, uh, leaking information. The former FBI director and Christopher Wray in his news conference yesterday said there is a lot of work to be done to restore the culture, uh, the correct culture of the FBI, and he'll be working with his top staffers to try to do exactly that. And the president has come out in support of him uh, in his efforts to do that. Yeah, uh, my understanding is this Peter Strzok is going to be hauled before the House Judiciary Committee uh, he's going to be subpoenaed uh, for testimony in the wake of the uh, release of the Inspector General's report. Any any final words here about where all of this goes from here now that the 500 pages plus are out there? Well, it's not going to go away, bud. Uh, that's the thing. It is not going to go away. It's not over and done with because, as I said, this will be dragged in as part of the Russia investigation, and the Democrats will be talking about it until the next presidential election. So it won't go away, and the focus remains on the FBI. They are really under the microscope now uh, for any kind of uh, actions they might take or inactions they may take. Uh, they're going to be looked at very hard by a lot of people within the administration, and Congress. I'm really glad we had a chance to get your perspectives on this. News Radio 1025 National Correspondent Bill Zimfer. Thank you so much, my friend. Have a great weekend. Thank you, bud. You do the same. All right. Good deal. In a moment, I got a couple of fresh Trump tweets out of the White House uh, on the Inspector General's report, and uh, he really lays into Comey, and uh, you'll hear that in a moment. Uh, if you've got a take on the Inspector General's report and whether or not you think it, um, it tells the truth whether or not you think it's going to be a big problem for the Democrats, for the FBI, or maybe even for the Republicans. How do you see it? I'll give you a chance to sound off as we did in the 6 o'clock hour, 407-916-5400. Our text line wide open at 23680, never busy. Standard message and data rates apply there. I think the Inspector General's report really is a scathing indictment of of James Comey. You know, his anti-Trump bias, I think, is evident in people within the agency. It is undeniable. This guy, Peter Strzok, you know, who said, no, we're going to stop him from becoming president, you know, also had tweeted that, you know, the vote in this election, this was during the campaign, should be 100 million to one. If he gets elected, we'll impeach him. Um, Comey never fired Strzok. And then there's another, another FBI employee who referred to all Trump voters, according to the Inspector General's report just out, as uneducated, lazy pieces of excrement. Except excrement was not the word used. And um, apparently within the FBI, they asked him about that. And uh, he and the attorney who had the exchange that I just quoted from, said, no, 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 no. We're just friends discussing our personal feelings. That that doesn't bleed over into the work of the FBI, I don't buy it for one minute. Who are the winners and the losers in the Inspector General's report? Um, Let's get a comment now from the chairman of the House Oversight Committee. Here's Trey Gowdy. The winner is Michael Horowitz because he proves that you can be fair, fact-centric, and conduct a serious investigation. The loser is every one of my fellow citizens who wants an FBI and a Department of Justice that they can believe in. All of us have lost when we have a department and a bureau that we cannot have confidence in. And here is the current FBI director, Christopher Wray, appointed by the president, who held a news conference late yesterday afternoon and says, you know, they got problems with the agency, but 
But, you know, it's just a few bad apples here and there, and we're going to hold them accountable. Here's Ray. This report did not find any evidence of political bias or improper considerations actually impacting the investigation under review. The report does identify errors of judgment, violations of or even disregard for policy, and decisions that, at the very least, with the benefit of hindsight, were not the best choices. We're going to adhere to the appropriate disciplinary process, and once that process is complete, we won't hesitate to hold people accountable for their actions. You know, I, I'd like to believe that uh, Christopher Ray is shooting straight with us and will clean things up within the FBI. You know, uh, I like him. Then again, I once thought James Comey was a Boy Scout. I remember saying it right yeah. here from this microphone, Yaffe. You know, he's been proven to be far less than that. What are your, what's your takeaway from the IG report? You know, one thing that hasn't been talked about as much but is a big deal is the fact that James Comey also used his personal email for FBI business. I yeah. mean, <laughs> so it's no surprise that he wouldn't want to prosecute Hillary because in the back of his mind, he's like, yeah. you know, I did the same thing. <laughs> well, he wasn't supposed to do that. It's interesting. Apparently, he's out of the country yeah. uh, right now, too. He must have known when the report was coming out, and he took his book money and ran for a while. Yeah. He still tweeted about it. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, but Oh, the president's outside talking right now, coming up on 8.30. He's wading into a gaggle of reporters live well, there. Well, he actually tweeted out that he saw Fox and Friends, uh, Steve Ducey out there, and he tweeted out that he might go join them. <laughs> it looks like he's so, about to. <laughs> he's actually going to do that now, it looks like. <laughs> Look at this. We got this whole entourage here. It looks like he's in a parade down Main Street on the grounds of the White House. We'll find out a little bit more about what that is all about. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to get up to date on the news for you folks who are just joining us. Tom Alexander in for Alan Spector today. We had a roller coaster accident out in Daytona Beach. Absolutely frightening situation there. And there have been injuries. And butt and breakfast hotels, a new trend. I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> Too bad. It's probably a moneymaker. Anyway, all the news coming up at the bottom of the hour from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Good morning, Orlando, and good morning to you. Woke up to news to a frightening accident on a roller coaster in Central Florida. Tom Alexander with our big story here to get you up to date at 830. Go ahead, Tom. Thank you, bud. Ten people had to be rescued after a roller coaster derailed in Daytona Beach last night. Two people fell roughly 20 feet to the ground when the sandblaster at the boardwalk left the track around 815. Total of six patients went to the hospital. No word on their conditions this morning, but we are told they were all alert when they were loaded onto ambulances. The sandblaster opened in 2013. The three coaster cars were on a line of track that was about 30 feet off the ground when it derailed. The ride was 40 years old already when it opened in Daytona. It was purchased from a closed amusement park in Delaware the year before. Last year, the Department of Agriculture issued a stop operation order on this ride. The Daytona Beach News Journal reported the issue was handed down after an inspection found problems with the handrails, safety cables, braces, and cracks in the support. The report also said two seats weren't properly secured. Boy, that is scary stuff, you know, and you wonder how many more of these, you know, 
older rides are out there in Central Florida. As you were saying earlier, we're spoiled by Disney and Universal, which is state-of-the-art, and they maintain them, you know? Yeah, and that's not necessarily true for every other amusement ride around the country. apparently not. The news is brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Bud and breakfast hotels are a new trend popping up in California. No, that doesn't mean the Bud Man will serve you breakfast in bed when you stay there. No, but I'm interested in this. I have no connection to it, but I'm fascinated by the headline. Bud and breakfast. What's this all about? Many Airbnbs around the state are starting to offer complimentary cannabis as welcome gifts for their guests. Because recreational cannabis is legal in California. Marijuana. Marijuana. A.K.A. marijuana. I still don't get the Bud and breakfast thing. Well, Bud is is a slang term for marijuana. Okay. So right. when you stay at these Airbnbs, these bed and breakfasts, okay. you get a little I, I bud I thought we were heading for up. free beer with your breakfast is what I thought it was. <laughs> I, I guess I had another bud on my mind Different or kind something. of bud, yeah. yeah. In California, it is actually legal to gift up to one ounce of marijuana. Gotcha. You may have heard this one before. I know I have many times, but if the Loch Ness Monster is out there, there's a team of researchers hoping they have what it takes to find the legendary sea creature. This time around, it's a team of international scientists on a high-tech hunt using environmental DNA or eDNA to document all the life forms in Loch Ness in Scotland. Whatever they collect will be sequenced at labs in France and Denmark and compared with databases around the globe to determine if what they've found may in fact be a new species, possibly even proof that Nessie exists. They hope to present their findings in January. Do you buy into the Loch Ness Monster? I don't know. I've never seen evidence that has convinced me for certain that it exists. What about you guys? You know the Loch Ness Monster, the real deal, or a bunch of hype to lure tourists to a lake in Scotland? Oh, I mean, it's obviously not real. All right. <laughs> Steph, are you a believer in a Loch Ness Monster? Uh, not really. <laughs> okay. Maybe a, maybe Bigfoot. Okay. I'm on the fence about Bigfoot. Okay. Oh, you're you're on or, the fence about, or about Bigfoot or, or the, <laughs> the skunk ape, which is like Florida's version That's Florida's of Bigfoot, like Bigfoot guy, skunk yeah. ape, you know, the abominable snowman. Well, I mean, he's obviously real. Uh, okay, I saw <laughs> him and I, he was like in Christmas specials. I mean, yeah, he has yeah. to be real. Was it right? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer documentary? Uh, yeah, okay. exactly. All right, all right. <laughs> I think somebody's enjoying a little bud and breakfast here on the fifty thousand watt front porch. I'm worried about you guys. What else is going on? Well, bud, the late Stephen Hawking is receiving an honor reserved for very few people today. The ashes of the renowned physicist will be interred at London's Westminster Abbey between the graves of Sir Isaac Newton and Charles Darwin. Boy, what an honor. At the same time, a recording of his voice is going to be sent into deep space. The broadcast is being aimed at a black hole that's more than 3,000 light years from Earth. That is fantastic. Great. Posthumously, what an honor. Absolutely. WFLA News Time Now, 837 I'm Tom Alexander, News Radio 1025 WFLA. You can get these stories and more right now at 1025WFLA.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando continues right now. Yeah, we've got the sound judgment game. We play it once a day, every day. We move it around so we give folks an opportunity who are only with us in one particular time of the three-hour period or another. So for you folks in the 8 o'clock hour, it is your lucky morning and opportunity knocks. Going into Father's Day weekend, we have a great family prize that you can win if you have not won sound judgment in 30 days. You are eligible by company rules. So 
Here we go. The sound judgment game. I think you can handle this question. It's coming right up. 407-916-5400. How about some first-timers who are on the 50,000-watt front porch, okay? Ideal. The sound judgment game for folks who don't really feel confident enough to call a Bud Man and get into a debate about a hot political issue. Hey, you can take a shot at winning our great prize on our sound judgment game, and we're ready to go. 407-916-5400. Join the conversation and the lineup of contestants in place for the sound judgment game. Coming right up, right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. And I'll do that for you here in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. All right, we've got contestants ready to go on the sound judgment game. If you're trying to get in, but the line is busy, don't be too frustrated. If somebody gives us a wrong answer, that line goes dead and opens immediately for you to call and get on the 50,000 watt front porch to play by calling 407 916 5400. As always, a terrific prize, a really good family prize this morning. Steph, let's talk about it. That's right. So today we have a family four-pack of tickets to the Orlando Science Center. Orlando Science Center is turning Kidstown into a superhero metropolis for Superhero Week happening June 14th to the 17th. Kids will learn what it takes to be an everyday superhero at home and in the community. Science Center is phenomenal. Love the Orlando Science Center and this whole Superhero Week is just fabulous. You'll be a real hero to your kids, your grandkids, if you're a sound judgment winner. So here we go. Our Friday sound judgment game hands the microphone to a famous, though rather bizarre, American who is celebrating President Trump's summit with the North Korean dictator. Want you to listen to this guy in dark glasses, wearing a Trump hat, rings through his nose, who's become friends with Kim Jong-un, traveled to North Korea, and has believed for years, he says, that a breakthrough was possible. Listen to him, then name him correctly, and you'll be our winner. I talked to Kim Jong-un and uh, an administration over there five years ago. Obama didn't even give me the time of day. I asked him, I said, I have something to say from North Korea. He just brushed me off. And today is a great day for everybody. Singapore, Tokyo, China, everything. It's a great day. day. I'm so happy. Who is that talking that's our sound judgment question for you. Line one, go ahead. Budman, good morning. Morning. Happy oh, Friday. I uh, I happen to be from the great city of Chicago, and I recognize that man. His name is Dennis Rodman. Played with a Michael Jordan Bulls, right? That's the the sure. great rebounder, and yeah, he's been all over the North Korean thing. Congratulations, you won the game on the very, very first uh, try, and uh, you're going to the Orlando Science Center with that uh, superhero theme that they have down there. I hope you make good use of those tickets, my friend. I will. It's fantastic. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's great. And um, where are you calling in from, and what's your first name? I'm in Orlando. My name is Danny. All right, Danny. Tremendous... Um, to have you on the program, great job picking off the voice of Dennis Rodman, Danny. You and Steph will make the connection on the prize. I'll put you on hold right now, okay, my friend? Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you for playing, and congratulations, Danny. More coming up here on the 50,000-watt front porch as we charge toward the 9 o'clock hour on a Friday morning from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Check the calendar here on the 15th of June. It's the third Friday of the month, and that means a unique program airs here on WFLA, hosted by 
Moira. Here I am. From the Phillips File on our sister station across the hall, 104.1 Real Radio. So the theme today as you take to the airwaves on WFLA right here from 3 until 6 is what, Moira? Is the changing face of Orlando's gay community. We are in the week where we remember two years ago, as, as heartbreaking as it was, when uh, a gunman walked into a nightclub and mowed down 49 precious souls Absolutely. At, at the Pulse uh, nightclub. So we are talking about how the community was before, how the community really gelled during that tragedy, came out, rolled up their sleeves, gave blood, all of that. And now, how is the community today? Mm-hmm. Are we embracing that diversity? Have we moved the needle? Is the community still embracing uh, those people? Or are we living uh, up to the promise uh, of Orlando United? Correct, sir. That yeah. is absolutely right. We have, I think, probably 10 or 12 guests on the dais that we will be rotating through, bud. We have a live studio audience, including an ensemble who will be singing us in and out of breaks. Very from- interesting. Now, it all begins today from 3 until three. 6 yes, today sir. on WFLA 1025, WFLA FM and AM 540. From 3 until 4, you're right here in this studio. That's right. All right. You can borrow my 50,000-watt front porch. You're right here for uh, an hour. Thank you for being so generous. Talking yes. about the and issues, and t- then you head down to the big studio where right. we have the audience from call four it, until six. I call it the Oprah room yep. where I become Mopra. Yeah. Get it? Moira and Mopra. Oprah. Not Mopra. bad. All right. Smooshing that together. Anyway, so <laughs> we will go in that room. We have a live studio audience, which is really what makes this show unique and energizing for yeah. me. Nobody else is doing that in that local is, radio. That is correct. If folks want to join the audience at the last minute, can they still do it? I think this is going to, this may be our first sellout, bud. This may be our first like uh, standing room only uh, program of the of the year, but yes, moirasmixedcompany.com. There is a way we will take some walk up business. I think we've put a couple aside so that for your listeners, we will have some other spaces for them. Okay, and we're right here at twenty five hundred uh, Maitland, Maitland Center, Center Parkway, Parkway mm-hmm. between the Sheridan and the RDV. That's correct. Okay, and mm-hmm. come on up here and. Uh, you come up to the fourth floor. And they will direct you right in there. There's food. There's giveaways. It should be. Uh, there's music this time. I mean, yeah. it should be a very interesting, energizing, and, and thought-provoking kind of conversation, which is what we hope from every mixed company. I can't believe you got 10 or 12 guests. They don't have that on the Tonight Show, for crying out loud. <laughs> That's true. I actually have so many people, I'm rotating them through every 15 minutes. So, uh, you know, just so everybody gets a fair shot at sitting on the dais and then asking questions, you know, from the audience and all that. Well, it's unbelievable how much energy and enthusiasm you have for this show. There's nothing else like it. So great. Yeah, thank you uh, very much. It's great to have you here, Moira. I appreciate it, bud. You've always been so supportive. Thank you for that. Why not? Absolutely. I always like something new and different, and we've got it when you're on with Moira's Mixed Company on the third Friday of every month from 3 until 6 in the afternoon. You can check it out on our website, 1025wfla.com, keyword Moira, to get more information. You have the other website, too, which was Moira's Mixed Company.com. Got it. Thank you, Moira. Thank you, bud. All right. Hey, Yaffe, President Trump came rolling out of the White House when he saw Peter Ducey from Fox and Friends about a half an hour ago, and it's like he took everybody by surprise, all the reporters and the the cameramen (laughs) and the Secret Service freaking out and following him, and they're still talking here. Well, he did tweet out before he did it that he saw him and he might go out and visit him. 
So that was like a couple of minutes. Well, so now he's out there talking. He's still talking. He's been talking for like 20 minutes. Well, I haven't been able to get a commercial break in right now. He's like taking over Fox. What are they talking Event- about? Uh, eventually, the show's supposed to end at 9, too. So they're, they're, <laughs> what what um, are they talking about? They've talked about everything. They've talked about the IG report. They've talked about North Korea. They've talked about the FBI. They've talked about immigration. They talk, I mean, literally, like anything you can think of. They talked about tariffs. It's like it's like a full press conference. It's unbelievable. And, and Ducey got completely blindsided by this. He was doing reports because he was at the <laughs> congressional uh, baseball game last night, and Steve Scalise, who was so grievously wounded, played second base and actually made a putout on the first pitch of the game. So it was a big deal, and that was kind of the reason Ducey was still hanging around yeah. Washington. Okay, it's really funny too because Trump kind of walked past him at first, and Ducey's like, "Hey, Trump, I'm over here. Come that, over here." That, and Trump's <laughs> like, "Oh, there you are." And, <laughs> it's very interesting. They're still going. I have to believe the Secret Service was just freaking out over this. Hey, it's my house. I want to go out the front door. I'm going to do it. And he did it. <laughs> it's, it's quite something. And he's still talking. It'll be interesting yeah, to see whether they'll ever take a break at 9 o'clock. We are done. I promise you we're going to take a break because Glenn Beck's over in the corner there looking at his watch. It's time for me to go. Glenn followed by Rush, then Moira's Mix Company this afternoon. Have a great Father's Day weekend. And for Tom and for for Yaffe, Steph, and Moira, the Budman, thank you. God bless you, and God bless America.